how uh, patient God is with his people. Um, we see examples of faith that encourages us and inspires us. By the way, how many of you have read a biography of a believer, of a Christian? How many have read biographies of other Christians? Okay. Been encouraged? Uh, found them as great examples? Um, George Mueller is one of those great uh, people of faith that's worth reading about, of Bristol, England. Um, his life both encourages and inspires. He lived from 1805 to 1898. He was a great communicator in proclaiming the Word of God. He made a great impact on his generation. He started um, Christian schools and had 120,000 kids go through the schools that he started. He started orphanages that cared for over 10,000 kids, homeless kids. Um, he was a man who believed that God answered prayer. When he started an orphanage or a school, he did not ask people for money, if you know his story, but he asked God and God alone for God's provision. And God answered his prayer and God provided. Um, George Mueller wrote this. He said, in November of 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on land and on the sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. He goes on. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thank God, and I prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thank God for the second, and I prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them. And six years passed before the third was converted. I thank God for the three, and I went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. Thirty-six years later, he wrote, that the other two, sons of one of Mueller's friends, were still not converted yet. He wrote, but I hope in God, and I pray on, and I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Have you ever prayed for anyone to come to faith in Christ for 18 months? Every day. Have you ever prayed five years to see someone come to faith every day? Six years to see someone... I haven't. Six years every day to see someone come to faith. How about 36 years? Have you ever prayed for anything that long? Now, if you haven't been alive 36 years, we cut you some slack. <laughs> George Mueller understood what Jesus meant when he said his disciples should pray and not give up. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. So we got, today we have uh, lessons on prayer. There are going to be two lessons from Luke 18. The first one is this, the need for persistence. And let's just uh, have a look at part of this passage here in Luke chapter uh, 18. We're going to start in Luke 18, 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. 
That's it. Always pray and not give up. You ever find it easy to quit? Stop? He said, and here's the parable, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly, however... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So the need for persistence for us, and we start with the the purpose stated in verse 1. It's a a parable. It's a story. He's He's got important spiritual truth to convey to us, and he wants his followers to know they should pray and not give up. Jesus taught his followers to pray. And he taught them to pray and not to give up. He said these words to his disciples, and he wants them to pray. Now think about, now why? Why do we need to pray? Sometimes we pray and we give up. Sometimes we ask God, And it's really important on this day, and tomorrow we forget, because we have other things now that are pressing. Um, Sometimes we just get lazy. Sometimes I get lazy with prayer. Um, Sometimes we get discouraged, and we lose hope. Keep in mind what the context here is in Luke chapter 18. What happened right before this? What was last week about? Well, it was about the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus was teaching what it was going to be like. And the Son of Man would come and it would be uh, in glorious splendor, like lightning in the sky when he returns. And he would bring justice to earth. It would be total and complete justice. Now, the people are introduced in verses 2 and 3 that we just read about. The judge and the widow. The judge neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. Um, The judge had no relationship with God. He didn't seek to honor God. He didn't value God's word. And he didn't really care about people. He wasn't concerned about their needs. He didn't care about what they thought. He didn't care whether they liked him or not. The widow, you know, widows have always had a precious spot in the heart of God. Widows and orphans, unprotected people in their society. And God has always made provision that his people care for widows and orphans financially. For their needs. Um, The widow is coming to the judge for justice. We don't know why. We don't know what the issue is. 
She, she wants, she needs a legal remedy. She has been wronged in some way, probably a financial issue. Uh, perhaps she's got a little small business and she's sent out something big or done something and she's supposed to be receiving financial resources and she's not getting what, what was agreed upon. Or maybe she's lost her home. Uh, She's poor, and due to her financial circumstances, she has lost the place that she lives. We don't know what the situation is, but she's coming to this judge. She's coming to this judge for justice, and she comes day after day. Um, The problem is verses 4 and 5. For some time he refused. But finally, um, it's not that he doesn't understand the... he didn't refuse because he didn't understand the problem. Um, it's not because he couldn't help. He didn't want to help, and he didn't care about her problem. That's the issue. But finally, he said to himself, Self, even though I don't fear God or what other people think. Now we see a little inner reflection going on in this man's heart. And he goes on in verse 5, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, She is a persistent pest for her cause. She is relentless day after day. I need justice. I need help. Judge, I need you to do something. I need you to hear this case. I need you to bring those people to justice. And then verse 5, the judge says, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Um, the whole idea of attacking, that literally the idea is give him a black eye. And what, whatever it is, whether he's just, he's getting tired of this, it's wearing him down, she, she's in his face every day, and um, I don't know that he really feared for his life, but she is a problem for him And so he just finally gives in. And he says, I'll see that she gets justice. Interesting. He knows she deserves justice. She knows he he hasn't been treated, she hasn't been treated fairly. And now he wants to give her justice. Um, And the point of this story is in verses 6 through 8. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Jesus calls him an unjust judge. You know, we can see he's not the model of uh, integrity or the model of uh, justice. Verse 7, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Now Jesus is going to compare this unjust judge to God. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Who are the chosen ones? Well, it would be true believers, genuine followers of Christ, or true believers in the Old Testament sense. Will not God bring about justice for his followers who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? God is not like the unjust judge. That's the point of this story. God cares for his people, the chosen ones. God will not 
ignore people like the unjust judge did. Jesus said in verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. Think in terms of the context of chapter 17 and chapter 18. When the Son of Man comes, he will bring justice to earth for all situations. Um, God will bring justice. He will be totally fair. Jesus wants his followers to know he listens, God listens to your prayer. He hears your prayer. He is not ignoring your prayer. Here's what... So here's the question for us. Do you pray... Are you persistent in your prayer? And can you wait for God's answer? Can you wait? The Bible says, wait on the Lord. Again, I say, wait on the Lord. Can you be patient with God when He answers? Sometimes we are impatient. Sometimes we are self-absorbed. Sometimes we feel that God owes us an answer. Sometimes we feel entitled. Sometimes we want God to answer our prayers on our terms. And that may not always be justice, and it may not always be wise. But here's what concerns Jesus. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes... See, he's talking about when, just, when ultimate justice comes... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? If Jesus were to come back today, what would be the state of his church? What would be the state of the bridge? What would be the state of your own personal life and my own personal life? Would he find faith? Would he find people who are persistent people who are willing to trust, people who are willing to wait because they do think Father knows best, that He is the all-wise God. Are we people who are turned inward and we are self-absorbed and we only see what we want are we self-absorbed in pursuing God's kingdom and seeing His um, priorities first? Or are we self-absorbed in our own priorities, our own little fiefdom or kingdom, so that we, we want what we want so that we can be happy? Jesus wants His followers to be persistent in prayer and to never give up. Never, never Never give up. That's faith. Believe that God answers. I believe in God's promises. I don't have to understand everything about what's going on in this world. I just need to trust God. George Mueller understood the persistence in prayer, what it means to persist. 
He said, the great point is never to give up until the answer comes. Do you believe that? To never give up? I've been praying for 52 years for two men, the sons of a friend of my youth. They are not converted yet, but they will be. The great fault of the children of God is they do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. What if we at the bridge persisted in prayer for God's kingdom to advance? What if we persisted in praying for people who don't yet have a relationship with Christ? What if we persisted? What if we persisted? How would God answer? How would he move through us? One of the fears that I have when I stand before the Lord one day is that he would say to me, Jerry, I didn't get to use you in all the ways that I wanted to. It's sort of just when you were available. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is the confidence that we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Do you have a faith like that? Confidence in what God has said. Do you have confidence in the promises of God? And one of the best ways uh, I have learned for my own faith is as I read this book, I learn what God's promises are. I learn what God's character is like. I see times where God's people suffer or there doesn't seem to be an answer from God and yet God always comes through on his promises. And he did it in the Old Testament and we see him doing it in the New Testament and I believe everything he's promised is yet to come will happen. Hebrews 11:6 says, "And without faith it's impossible to please God." You know, sometimes we just try to go through the Christian life by being good people. Try to make some good choices. Try to act like we're good Christians because it's the right thing to do, right? But is that living by faith where we're in recognizing God is the one who has saved us from the penalty of sin? God is the one who enables us to live. God is the one who gives us health. He enables us to breathe. And I don't understand why in the world I got put in the United States of all the countries in the world where I would grow up and this would be my normal life when I compare myself with the rest of the world. God is the one who enables me to be here today. You know, God is the one who pays my bills and provides for me. I wouldn't be able to do any of it on my own. Sometimes I get the idea that I can do it myself. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The first lesson is when it comes to prayer, we need persistence. We need persistence. The second lesson is we need humility. Verses 9 through 14. And this is a Another little story, another little parable. It's a need for humility. The need is in verse 9. To some. Now, now he's switching his audience. He was talking to his disciples explicitly. Now he's recognizing the broader audience. 
to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So he's aware of who's in the audience. He's aware that there are religious leaders in the audience who sometimes think they're better than other people. And sometimes they look out to their religious practices as if they make them special and better than other people. Um, in verse 10, he, he recognizes two men. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. So they go up to the temple. So this would be in Jerusalem. and It would be normal for the Pharisee to go up to the temple to pray. Not necessarily so normal for the tax collector to go up to the temple to pray. So the two people, the Pharisee and the tax collector, remember that Pharisees were highly respected religious leaders in their community. Now, they didn't always play well in Jesus' stories, but in the social setting, they were highly respected, they were highly trained. Many of them were very sincere in their desire to follow God, but many of them also were, became very self-righteous. The idea is the more good things they do, sort of like the higher standing. They compare themselves with other people, and they view they have a higher standing with God because of all the good things that they do. Now, the tax collector, as we often know from other passages in the Bible, they were kind of uh, viewed as the low life. They are the opposite of this high standing in the community. They have a low standing. They are kind of outsiders. Why? Because they are employed by the Roman Empire. And, you know, sort of viewed as traitors to their own country, the nation Israel. And they're willing to take money and to make money um, unfairly, because the way a tax collector made his money, they had to pay their tax, they received money, they had to pay taxes to Rome, and everything else was theirs. So they could sort of set the tax at what they thought it would, that their community would take. You know, if, whether it was 20% or 30% or 40%, they could raise it up, and then whatever was above the, the minimum they owed the Roman government, it was theirs. And they were not well loved. And they, so they didn't really care much about the Jewish religion. They were more about outsiders who found a way to make a living. And I, I need to also say, we, we need to say it once in a while, not every Pharisee was self-righteous, and not every tax collector was, a, you know, Jesus often viewed them as a friend of sinners. Jesus often, uh, and not every tax collector was Jesus' friend in a sincere way. We know Matthew was. We know um, Zacchaeus was. We're going to see Zacchaeus' story in the next chapter. So we have two approaches, two men, two approaches, verses 11 and 12, the prideful approach. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. God, look at me. He mentions God once, and he mentions himself three times. I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like those bad people. I'm not, I'm not like those people who steal the robbers. I'm not like those people who commit adultery. I'm not like that tax collector over there. He's comparing himself right now on the spot. Publicly, he's praying out loud. He's standing. 
He's standing by himself, and everybody can see him. That's a good thing for him. He's on parade. And he goes on and he talks about what he's done for God. I fast twice a week. I'm, it's only normal to fast once a week. I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of all that I get. I am religious about doing these good things. The Pharisee is impressed with himself. He's really quite awesome. Don't you think, God? He's, he's on display here. And then verse 13, we see the other approach, the humble approach. But the tax collector, in contrast, stood at a distance. He's a little uncomfortable being there. He doesn't want anyone to see him. He would not even look up to heaven because when the Pharisee prayed, he looked up to heaven and he talked as if God only saw him. But the tax collector would not look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He has nothing, impref- nothing impressive to offer God like the Pharisee did. He is humbled at the thought of addressing heaven with his head bowed. He sort of beats on his chest in pain, remorse over his sin. And he asks God for mercy because he's a sinner and he knows he doesn't deserve anything from God. He acknowledges his sin. He knows his failure. He knows his need for God's mercy and he has nothing to offer He knows that only God's mercy is the answer to his predicament. This is the humble approach. God desires our humility, not pride. Our religious, uh, not our religious self-righteousness. As I suggested earlier, there's a danger for us to become like the Pharisee where we begin to think, well, God... I've been good, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I'm, I'm entitled for you to fix my problems. And that's not trusting God. That's seeking to manipulate God. The da- there's a danger because what we feel like we deserve special favors for God. And there's a danger to think that because I'm good, God deserves to be, I deserve that God be good to me. There's a danger for me to think I'm the one who got myself here. I'm the one who got me through school. I'm the one who pays the bills. I'm the one who got up and went to work every morning. I've accomplished all this. And I'm I'm here because God enables me. I'm here because God has given me good health. I don't deserve it. Um, I'm reminded of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, where, where God's people got a little self-righteous and Moses warns, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Keeping his commands is about living by faith. And 
He's reminding us, remember how God has led you in the past. And God did this. God takes us through hard lessons, through uh, difficult courses in life. And part of it is our educational process. And he's training us. And we get exams along the way. He's testing us to humble us so that we learn to rely on him and not just our own strengths. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Here's another danger. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's God who enables us. And that just reminds me to be humble. The point of the story, verse 14, I tell you this this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. This man, the tax collector, You know, for some of the people in the audience, this would have been a total shock when Jesus told the story about this. This is not what they would have thought. They would have thought, well, Jesus is going to promote the Pharisee, the religious guy, and tell everybody to be like him, and then he's going to criticize the tax collector. No, he's showcasing the humble prayer of a sinner. And that's the proper approach for us to God in prayer is to be in humility and to recognize that we are sinners. I was a sinner on September 29th, 1974, when I placed my faith in Christ. I'm still a sinner. I'm I'm saved by grace. It's only by God's grace. It's only by God's mercy. It's because of God's love. It's because of His provision. And He provides resources for me to live one day at a time. So Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. And then he goes on to say, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God's kingdom turns the world upside down. The heroes will be the humble in God's kingdom. The self-righteous and the self-focused will be humiliated in God's kingdom. Jesus taught his followers to pray. He wants us to be persistent. He wants us to be humble. George Mueller died at the age of 93 on his birthday. One of the five men came to faith in Christ at George Mueller's funeral. That was the fourth man that he had prayed for. A few years later, the fifth man that he had prayed for for more than 52 years came to faith as well. Be persistent, be humble. Don't give up. What are you praying for that you really want to see God accomplish? Don't give up. God does not microwave prayers. That's what we would like. Put it in, wait 37 seconds or 37 minutes, 
and it's all done. Sometimes we bring those expectations to God. Jesus wants us to be people of faith. He wants us to trust him, and we will need to wait on him. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, thank you for these two brief stories that remind us of, about prayer. And just help us to think about our own lives, to realign our hearts with yours. Because we do give up sometimes. Sometimes we're impatient with you. Forgive us of our sin. Sometimes we get lazy. Some, sometimes we get distracted. Enable us, help us to be persistent. Remind us, encourage us. Lord, let us not become proud to raise ourselves above other people and to compare ourselves with other people. Help us to be humble, to walk with you, to come to you humbly when we pray. May we remember that you are opposed to the proud, but you give grace to the humble, and we need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.